Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Blessings of Christ, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on May 1st, 2016. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? You excited to be here? You like that breezy wind that we have out there? What would Winnie the Pooh say? It's a little bit blustery out there. You guys like Winnie the Pooh? Oh, come on. You gotta like Winnie the Pooh. It's awesome. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm excited that you're here. We're going to continue in our series through the Gospel of Luke. And I know we're doing just a kind of a brief overview survey. There's just so much in here. And I I hope that you guys throughout the week are are taking the time to really uh, look at the gospel for yourselves. Really open it up and and read through it, whether you do a, a chapter a day or or you do a portion of it a day, just, I, would, I would challenge you to just really look at it and ask God to speak to your hearts through it. And uh, I know that God will use that to, to teach us more about Jesus, to, to strengthen our love for Jesus Christ, and uh, help us to grow together as the body of Christ. And I'm excited about it, I, and I hope you guys are too. So, Well, I heard a, a funny little story from a pastor this last week. He was uh, traveling to another town for a conference and so he flew in and he, you know, he hired a taxi to get him from the airport uh, to his conference. And so he hops in the taxi and the taxi is on his way and he's going down the road and, and uh, they come up to a red light and this taxi driver, he just blows right through that red light. And of course, that, the, the pastor's like, whoa, what did you just do? The light was red. Why didn't you stop? And just very calmly, the, the taxi driver kind of turns to him and says, don't worry about it. My brother does it all the time. And so they continue on and they come up to the, the very next red light. And again, this taxi driver, he just blows right through this light. And of course, this pastor, he's, he's pretty shocked. He's like, what in the world? What's wrong with you? That was a red light. You need to stop at the red lights. And again, just very calmly, this taxi driver just turns to him and just says, hey, don't worry about it. My brother does that all the time. Well, then all of a sudden they come up to a green light. And for whatever reason, this taxi driver stops. And of course, the pastor, he's like, what in the world? Why did you just stop? The light is green. You can go. And he turns to, the, to this passenger and he says, well, my brother might be in this neighborhood. <laughs> I thought it was cute. <laughs> but doesn't the world seem that way? Sometimes it's so backward, so opposite to what we should be doing and how we should be living. Doesn't it kind of throw us off sometimes? Because, um, you know, when the light is red, we should stop, but sometimes we don't stop. You know, when God tells us to go, we should go, and we just don't go. That's the, that's the world we live in today. Well, as, as we look at these passages this morning in, in Luke um, chapter 10, if you would mark your Bibles to chapter 10, we're going to look at the first 12 verses in this passage together. Because we know that, that we live in a world that's a little confused, a little backwards. This morning, I've entitled our message, The Blessing of Christ. And you may, be, you may read this passage and you think to yourself, well, that's not really a blessing, what Christ is doing here and what he's saying, because he's sending the, the disciples out. He, he calls 120 or 122 disciples, and he's telling them to do something, and he's telling them what it'll look like and what they need along the way and what they should pay attention to and what they shouldn't pay attention to. But I I want you to think about it this way as we read this passage this morning. The very fact 
that you and I get to worship God is a blessing, right? The, the very fact and the very fact that we, we get the amazing privilege to be a part of each other's lives is a blessing, right? And we get this privilege, we get this blessing because of who? Because of Jesus Christ. Because what he did, what we just sang about what he did on the cross for you and I. So what Jesus did here in this passage, it was a blessing to these men that he sent out. And it's a blessing to you and I that we get the privilege of being a part of everything that God is doing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those that are around us. You know, we know that the, the power of the gospel, that the gospel message speaks power. And if you look on the screen here, it will have Romans 1, 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, we know that there's power in the gospel message. The good news and the hope that we proclaim and that we live, live for, there's power in that. So I want to ask you a question this morning before we read our passage. Do you have the confidence, even in this backwards world, to trust that God will use you to proclaim the gospel? Do you have that confidence this morning? You trust that God has the power. He holds the key in your life. We're going to look at Christ's blessing this morning. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I only know my heart, Father. I don't know the hearts of the many that you brought here this morning. But I do trust and I do believe that you are at work in their hearts. I do know that you are at work in my heart. And Lord, you've given us your word. You've, you've put together this canon of scripture so that we may know you more intimately, so that we may understand the things that you desire for us as your children, as your creation. And so Father, I pray that this morning as we read your words, as we hear the voice of Jesus Christ, your beloved son, Father, that we would listen intently, that we would have open minds and open ears and open hearts to all the things that you'd have for us this morning. Lord, we come into your presence and we do so humbly, seeking your word, seeking understanding, seeking encouragement and hope. And I pray that you would use this time to change us. Lord, we love you and we give you glory and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1, let's read the first 12 verses together. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent, appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead, two by two. I think I said 122, didn't I? As I read that, I kind of like, sorry, that was a typo. Just go back, autocorrect it, and move on. All right. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. 
Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more tolerable or more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. I love how how Jesus opens up this chapter. I I love how it, it says it here. It just simply says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. See, what this does, it provides a bridge for you and I back to chapter 9. It helps us to kind of get a clearer picture of what Jesus is doing as he speaks to the disciples and as he talks to the people that are around him and are trying to discover who this man Jesus Christ is. See, if we look at the the last few verses in chapter 9, we see something that's very impactful. It should be for you and I because there's three men that Jesus addresses. And of the three men, one asks the question, what do I do to follow you? And then the other two, Jesus just says, if you are to follow me, this is what it looks like. See, we have to understand something here. As as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers or Christians of Jesus Christ, there is a price that we will pay. There is a cost to follow Jesus. See, Jesus never told us that that our lives would be perfect and complete and everything would go well and we'll have all the money that we need and we'll have all the love that we need and we'll have everything and so don't worry about it. I think what Jesus is telling us here is that there's a price that you have to pay. You have to be willing to surrender yourself. You have to be willing to sacrifice some of the things that you may love and you may hold on tightly to And you have to do that for my sake, he says. You have to do that so others may know Jesus Christ, so others may know the good news of the gospel message. See, that bridge that is painted here for us or drawn for us here is a very important part of this passage, something that you and I should kind of look at and ponder on and really think about as we read the rest of what Jesus has for us. See, we have to understand that, that we can't live one foot in and one foot out. We can't live half-hearted lives as followers of Christ. See, Jesus wants all of us. He doesn't tell us to wear our cross, does he? He says to pick up our cross daily and carry it. See, there's an important element here to becoming and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think we have to give it the attention that it deserves. If you would flip over your, your Bible to Micah chapter 6. And I want to read this verse. This was the, the theme verse um, for the kids this weekend. And, and it's a powerful passage coming from the prophet Micah. And what we see here in the context of this passage here is, is God is speaking to the Israelites and he's telling them something very powerful here. 
And in Micah chapter 6, in verse 6, the Israelites reply to God, and they say, what, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? What shall I give my firstborn? Shall, excuse me, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And listen to the prophet's response. Because that helps us to understand what God wants from us as a follower of Jesus Christ. It says, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That passage there, what Jesus tells us here in the passage that we see in Luke, really is a reflection of those that he is not only calling, but those that he is blessing to live a life of a disciple, to live for Jesus Christ. So we need to use this term blesses in a way that we really truly understand it because it is a great privilege that we get to worship our God. It is a great honor that we get to understand and grow in this love relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But sometimes we get lethargic in it. Sometimes we get a little relaxed in it. We get sleepy and tired. But when we see it as a blessing, when we see it as a privilege, when we understand the heart of it and the realities of it, then we begin to live a life that's reflective of what Jesus is telling us here. Then we're willing to surrender and give all that we are for all that we've been given. You know, I I love, uh, as a parent, the element of having children. It's the greatest gift in the world, but it's also the toughest gift in the world, isn't it, parents? It's the hardest thing we can ever do in our lives. There's not a harder job out there. You know, when I I used to tell my kids they needed to clean their rooms, I usually get the the general response. I don't know, maybe your kids are different, but usually there was some whining and like, oh, why do I have to do it now? I'm tired. Let me watch this TV show. And, you know, the list of things were going on. And this is for you guys here, all right, all the students here. Every time you whine about cleaning your room, just stop it, okay? Just stop it. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. See, because the problem, and, and even us adults, we, we do this too. When, when, when Jesus tells us to go do something, when he tells us to do something, it's like, oh man, do I really have to go talk to that guy? Uh, do I really have to take the time to do that? Why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that. I, I think if we look at it from a different foundation, from a different perspective, our hearts will change. Students, when your mom and dad tell you to clean your room i want to challenge you to do this all right this is gonna be tough you ready i want you to say this not do i have to clean my room i want you to change that do i have to clean my room to this hey i get to clean my room can you do that no all right (laughs) try it one day it's all about perspective all right young and old When God moves in your heart and he asks you to do something, I want you to have that same mindset that I just challenged our students to have. 
Not, and God, really, do I have to do this? Do you really, you know, are you really telling me to, to give all this money to help this cause or to help this person? God, are you really telling me to, you know, to maybe sacrifice, you know, my weekend so I can go out and, and help somebody and, and do these other things that I really just don't really feel like doing? Instead, I, I want to challenge you guys. And I, I'm challenging this with my, my own life. It's not, do I have to do this? But God, you know what? Thank you that I get to do this, that I have the awesome privilege of being a part of what you're doing in somebody else's life. What an amazing privilege that is. What an honor that is. Isn't it? Do you see that, that this way this morning, every day? And I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes we're tired and sometimes we just don't want to. But I think if we, if we take it from the perspective of what Jesus is telling us here in these passages, and we understand that, that God is at work all around us in the community, everywhere we go, whatever we do, whether we're at Walmart or we're at um, wherever we shop at, whether we're in the workplace, or we just feel like, hey, we're going to go for a bike ride along the Bosque, that God is ordaining some moments before you even go. And preparing not only you, but preparing others for that chance encounter. And all we have to do is see it from the right perspective. What Jesus tells us here in verse 2, he says, there is a great need. See, if we see it from that foundation that we have a great need in this world, our mindsets will be different. The way we do things will change. God will change our hearts. You know, I hear a, many a Christian, especially if you get on Facebook, and man, we're, we're complainers. You know, we're, we're whining, oh, the world is falling apart, and he goes, oh, woe is life, and can you believe they're doing this? Can you believe they're doing that? And we complain, right? I'm just as guilty. But we have to understand there's a need, and the need is great. And the need is just simply this. People need the gospel message of Jesus Christ. People need to hear and see the good news and the hope that you and I gather together every Sunday morning to sing and praise and worship and celebrate. But they need to see it in our lives. In verse 2, God, Jesus says this. He says, The harvest is plentiful. The need is great. But the laborers are few. I got I to almost imagine, and I, I'm guessing this, so don't, you know, don't, don't quote me on this because it's not truth, I guess. It's not scripture. But I got to imagine Jesus probably had a lot of people around him whining about things that were going on in the community, huh? You got to imagine. You know, I don't think they were any different than we are today. And he says, the laborers are few. There's a lot of whiners, but there's not a lot of workers, He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, what I I mean by saying that there's people that are ready, that there's people that God is already working in their hearts, is this. You and I, we have to take our blinders off. We've got to stop being so focused on the things that, the groceries that we, the things that we desire, the tasks that we have ahead of us, the groceries that we've got to get, the car that we've got to fix. 
And we have to look around us. We have to understand that there's a, a world around us that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world around us that needs hope and love and mercy and grace. And I believe with all of my heart that they're hunger, hungry for this. They desire for this. They have something in their hearts right now that's just saying, man, there's just something missing in my life. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing See, that's where you come in. That's where the aspect of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ comes in. I want you to listen to what the gospel of John says here. John 4, it's going to be up on the screen here. I want you to listen to this carefully as we read it. Verse 35, it says, Do you not say, this is Jesus talking, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? And, and I'm guessing here, I don't know this for a fact, but I think Jesus is pointing to the aspect of, of the element of a preparation time before the harvest is ready, right? You know, when, those of you guys that, that plant gardens or know how to, you know, have green thumbs and do stuff, they, there's a preparation time. There's a, a working of the soil. There's a planting of seeds. And then there's a harvest time. And then he says this, and this is the part that I want you to pay attention to. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And he says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, I think a, a, a cross passage that we can look to and kind of reference this is in 1 Corinthians when Paul addresses the church at Corinth and he's talking about the divisiveness of the church and he's speaking and addressing the elements of those that were following Apollo and those that were following Paul and he says something to this same effect. He says, I planted and Apollos has watered. You know, he's, he's been able to walk into the part of my work and help for that work to grow. But the true statement that we have to see in all of this is that God grows. That God has prepared the harvest for you and I. That there is a great need out there for the gospel to be proclaimed in us and through us. Well, the second thing that we see here is that we must respond. There, there is no question that, that we need to respond to the things that are going on in the world around us. But the important part of our response is the how. How will we respond as disciples, as children of God? How will we respond to all the chaos and the turmoil and all the things that are going on in the world around us? Listen to what Jesus says here in verse 3. He says, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as a lamb in the midst of wolves. That, that's a, a, a pretty scary sa- statement for most of us, isn't it? You know, that, that statement in, in itself would probably cause most of us not to want to respond, to not want to do anything. 
Man, I, I don't want to go out and be slaughtered. I don't want to go out and be judged and condemned and ridiculed and laughed at and, and mocked out. I don't want to be a part of that. But I want, you to, I want you to see something here in this little simple verse. Yeah, it, it, these three words just, just kind of caught my eye this last week. Jesus says, go your way. And, and you got to remember, you know, he's, he's talking to a multitude of people. He's, he's pulling together, you know, a group of individuals and he's sending them out into the country. He's sending them out before he goes out into all these towns and villages around. And he tells them, go your way. So, so we have to kind of understand and know that, that, that my way isn't necessarily your way, is it? You know, I, I don't go to work with you every day, do I? Little as you know, I'm sitting in the parking lot watching you. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't go to work with you. I, I, I go this way. You know, I, I work in, you know, Rio Rancho, west side Albuquerque. Some of you guys go all the way to Sandia Labs. Some of you guys, you know, work maybe in Santa Fe, Bernalillo. I don't know which way you go, but you go your way, right? And I love what Jesus says here. He says, go your way. It's like he already knows. He's already said, this is the path that I have set before you as my disciples. And each of you will go your way. And I want you to know as I send you that it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I want to ask you this morning. Do you know your way? Do you sit here this morning understanding and knowing the path that God has set before you? For some of us, we, we, we may be able to say, absolutely, it's clear. You know, I've got a calling in my life and man, I, I'm, I'm here to, to serve our youth and I'm gonna you know, witness to them, I'm gonna share the gospel with them, I'm gonna love them, I'm gonna encourage them. God has set this path before me and I'm going to give it my all. For others, some of you sitting here and say, you know what? You know, I'm going to reach the homeless. I'm going to reach those that are, that are hungry and hurting. I'm going to reach those that are, that are in jail and incarcerated. Some of us here may just be saying, you know what? My path is in all these little cubicles that God has placed around me and all these individuals that God has put in front of me. See, because it's not a vocation for me, it's a calling. It's because what God has done in my life, I'm going to share it with others. I'm going to make and build disciples. I'm going to fulfill that great commission that Jesus Christ has called every believer to fulfill. Are you currently going in the direction? Are you on the path that God has set before you? Because every one of us has a path. God has set it before us. I love what the psalmist prays in Psalm 25. He prays this in verses four and five. He says, make me, know your, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. See, what this prayer is, a prayer of trust and submission to the will of God. The psalmist here is seeking God's guidance and he's trusting him saying, wherever you send me, whatever you do, I will go that way. Help me to understand that. Teach me and show me. Reveal your truth to me. 
See, before you can go your way, you have to be willing to trust God. You have to be willing to surrender all of yourself to him. You know, my, my favorite verse right now is Psalm 16, 11. And uh, I just love that verse. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. See, God will show you the way. All he asks is that we trust him. All he asks is that, that we are willing to sacrifice whatever it is that he wants us to sacrifice so that he can f- fulfill his perfect will for our lives. Because sometimes, honestly, we just get in the way. Well, are you ready to respond? Are you willing to walk the path that God has set before you? I can't answer that question for you. But I know God will answer that question if you pray that prayer. If you seek him and you truly desire to walk according to his purpose for your life. What we see here is uh, these last few verses in this passage as we listen to what Jesus says about what we should expect and how we should respond as we go on this journey. Starting in verse 4, Jesus tells us, Carry no money bag, no knapsacks, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, Jesus gives us a path. He has set a path before us to evangelize, to share the good news of the gospel, to be disciples, to make disciples, to pour into one another, to love, to encourage, and to walk with. Our responsibility is just to trust him and understand that there is a great need and to respond to that need in a way that will honor God and bring glory to his name. You know, one of the funny things about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ or the gospel message, and I I hear it a lot from from Christians, is that, well, you know what? I've tried that before and they don't listen. You know, I've, I've been rejected and, and, and pushed away in ways and, and singled out and, and left behind. And for whatever reason, we're, we're, we're surprised by that. And we're, we're kind of shocked and we're dismayed by that. When the Bible teaches us that, that we shouldn't be. You know, Jesus tells us if they, they wanted to kill me, they're going to want to kill you they didn't listen to me it's going to be hard for them to listen to you but this is how jesus tells us to respond in verse 10 and 11 and 12 he says but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you go into its streets and say even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you nevertheless know this that the kingdom of god has come near Right? You, you can take that little piece however you want to. You can take that and interpret that piece of scripture the way God will point you to. But I, I, wanna, I want you to, to think about it in this way. I, I want you to see it from a, a half full perspective, okay? We mo- may only have a half a glass, but we, we do have a half a glass. 
It's not half empty, it's half full. And I, I think what Jesus in part is telling us here in this little passage here, he says, he says, don't give up. If they don't receive you, you know what? Just shake it off. I, I don't see anywhere in this passage where he says, if they don't receive you, then just stop, give up. Don't do it anymore. Go home because it's easier and more comfortable at your house. Pull your planner open and watch some TV. I think Jesus is telling us this so, so that he knows that, that we might get discouraged and we are going to face opposition and we are going to have tough moments of sharing the gospel and there are going to be others that, that refuse it and say, hey, get out of here. We don't want to hear it. And he's saying, just shake it off. But keep going. Keep sharing. Keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. See, we all bear that responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, go your way. Go your way and continue on and know that I will be with you to the end of the age. Well, the third thing that that we see here in this passage, it's not in your notes there. It's actually here in the church. It's sitting right amongst you every Sunday and throughout the week in your small groups. I want to ask all the the leaders, all the host home leaders to come on up to the front of the the church here. And uh, if you would give God a hand for the hearts of these men and women. So I don't have a a video for you. I thought real life video would be better. Um, But I, I want you to see, and there are many, many more that sit in these same chairs with us, that do life with us throughout the week. There are so many people in our church that are not only disciples of Jesus Christ, but they're disciple makers. This last weekend, our students got the privilege of being a part of a, what I think is, it was a phenomenal weekend of, of leadership and encouragement and challenge. And uh, there's so many people that came together just to, to really pour into their lives and, and uh, help one another grow in their faith. And we, we truly got to see the church at work this last weekend. And so I asked Jason to come up and, and maybe just share a, a couple of highlights from our Disciple Now weekend. So usually this time of year, we're up in Glorietta. And we're, um, we're pack, at, right about this time, we're packing up the vehicles, cleaning up. And we're exhausted, beat up, worn down, and ready to drive back to Albuquerque. Well, this year we did something a little bit different. We brought our worship and our messages and our games, and we kept it all in the city. And then we split up into various host homes, and we spent the night in here in Albuquerque. And I thought that one of the benefits would be that we'd be less exhausted, beat up, worn down. But boy, was I wrong. <laughs> on, for both the students and the leaders, these, uh, these weekends that we do, whether it's here or somewhere else, it's just nonstop going from, uh, from the, the moment we start. It's about 42 hours, I calculated, of, of just nonstop going. And one thing that's the same, no matter where we do it, is anytime you have a bunch of teenagers together, um, there's a lot of noise, there's little sleep, and lots of odors. So it doesn't matter if we're out, <laughs> doesn't matter if we're out in the woods or if we're in, in these homes. You know, some things never change. Um, but, you know... Every year we rely on our uh, various leaders um, to pull this kind of stuff off. Um, this year, with the ho- adding the host homes and doing the stuff in town, uh, we multiply that uh, uh, big time. 
And, um, you know, we always talk about in our pastor meetings that people want an opportunity to serve in the church, and we just need to identify those opportunities for them to be able to do that. And this is a perfect example, and we've never had this kind of leadership step up. And, and you know, and we've always asked a lot of our leaders, and I didn't even know it was possible, but this year we even asked so much more of every single person. And we just had so many hearts just step up to the plate and invest in these kids, and it's just been a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and we're just so thankful for everybody who is uh, willing to step up and, and just invest in these, uh, in these uh, students. I keep saying kids. I'm trying to change that to students. Um, but, you know, it's, and this, the students are equally as exhausted. But guess what, guys? It's not quite over yet. Carlos has been working very, very hard to put together a celebration night of worship for us this evening. So go home and get some rest and, uh, and get your energy back. And then be back here at 630 and, uh, and Carlos, like I said, he's going to lead us in the uh, evening. He's got some visitors coming that's going to help with that, and it's going to be awesome. So be back at 6.30, doors open, uh, but make sure you go and get some rest. I already see some of your faces like you're, uh, not more stuff. But, but uh, this is going to be awesome. It's, uh, like I said, Carlos put a lot of hard work into it. And, of course, every leader is welcome to come as well. Um, it, doors open to everybody, the whole, the whole church. Um, so then, you know, finally, the, the last aspect, of course, the reason why we do it all, uh, besides glorifying God, is to invest into the students. And we just saw so much growth in just this weekend. You know, we, we never, we've learned to never discount uh, what God's going to do in some lives. And, and when, you know, without uh, calling out specific people, um, you know, just some, some ways that we've seen people grow in student leadership and, uh, and participation. And we went one evening and morning to, to students who absolutely refused to share and, and didn't want any part of that to the very next session, uh, having a smile on their face and having fun and sharing. We've seen kids who are or students who are um, kind of reserved in their fellowship with one another, just really open up. And, and we, we've seen people who, who may not have always um, chosen each other to be on teams and just work together well to, to accomplish some things. And, and there's a lot of growth within the students. And and to see so much work being done in such a little time is, is really just a privilege to be part of it. And we actually invited one student up here to share a little bit about it the weekend. So Mr. Gregory is going to share with us. So this is my first time going to any of these camps. And I attended a meeting uh, a couple weeks back when they were starting to plan it. And um, this is when they first said that Glorietta was no longer an option and they're asking for more options, and while I was listening, they brought up the whole host families thing, and if I'm being completely honest, I didn't, I didn't really like that idea. I wasn't very, uh, wasn't very on board with that. I thought it would be really lame and be like my first time, but then last week on Sunday, uh, the message was all about enthusiasm, and so I decided, well, through a lot of prayer, God told me to come and come to this this camp with, well, this retreat with a lot of enthusiasm. So as a lot of these guys will tell you, I've been yelling that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it came out so much better. The amount of work that these leaders put in for our sake, the amount of fun that we had, we played KGB twice. We had this mattress race thing. <laughs> we don't want to talk uh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then every day we'd go back to, um, our host families, and we'd um, talk, and we'd sit around, um, and we'd just go through our books, and we'd read scripture, we'd um, share stuff, we'd be asked questions, and everybody 
a lot of people that maybe you wouldn't have shared, like Jason said, did share. And I thought that that was really, really, really cool. So overall, this, this retreat was so much better than I could have ever imagined. And I definitely chalk it up all to these leaders and all the hard work, the 42 hours that you said that's nonstop. That's just ridiculous. I, <laughs> so I just love this camp. It was so much fun. This retreat was just a great time. Thank you. Awesome. So, so the third point before we close this morning is just simply this. Change lives, change lives. And there's no question. God is at work in, in many people's lives. He's, working, he's at work in our hearts and in our lives. And as we surrender ourselves, as we're willing to take the time, the effort, and the energy uh, to be a participant, and we see it with enthusiasm and from the right perspective, Man, we, we'll just get to be a part of so many great things, so many awesome things. And so, so as we close this morning, I thought we could do something um, just to show the, the unity in our family, to show the, the, the care. And it's a simple gesture, and I'm, it's going to be a little challenging, I know, for you guys, because some of you guys get a little awkward, you know, when you do stuff like this. But if you could just kind of move in and squeeze in and, and hold the hand of someone next to you. And as we pray, let's just kind of hold hands together, and grab each other in unity. And in Thanksgiving, and uh, we could just make a huge kind of not so much circle, but everyone's grabbing someone's hand or touching the shoulder of someone. And we're going we're gonna to close this morning in our time together, just praying God, praising God for all he's doing and all he will do in our lives and in the, those lives of, of, of others as we see the need and as we respond to the things that God's calling us to do. And by the way, parents, you have some amazing kids. We're very privileged and honored to get to be a part of their lives. One of the, the, one of the greatest things for me personally is to watch our, our children grow up together, to have so many in this church that, that love our kids. And what a great privilege. So let's pray together. Father, we come into your presence and we do this in Jesus' precious name. Lord, we stand united as the body of Christ, just, just a portion of, of who you are, Father, a representation of, of a few individuals that, that are hungry and have a desire to walk with you and live for you, to be obedient in everything that you've called us to do and to be and to say. Father, we truly do want to walk humbly. We truly do want to walk with you, Father. Lord, we don't always know how to do that. We don't always have the greatest of understandings or the, the knowledge to know how to take the next step. But Father, we do trust in the very fact that not only will you guide us in that step, but that you've placed us in each other's lives so that we can point each other to you, so that we can help each other on this great journey that you have us on. Lord, I'm so grateful for every heart and every soul that's here today, every person that's a part of your church, a part of your body. Lord, I pray that as we go away from here that we would truly be changed. Lord, that we be changed lives that are changing lives in our community, in our workplace, at our schools, wherever we go today, wherever we go tomorrow, Father. We commit and trust you, and we thank you for the great privilege. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., for directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone 
at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.